Hello and welcome to the Dead Darlings podcast. I'm Rebecca Cooney. I'm Hannah Hutzper. And I'm Laurie Eves. Dead Darlings is a monthly podcast for the spoken word community in London and beyond. Normally, we'd be bringing you interviews, tips, inspiration, and above all, awesome poetry from London's spoken word scene and telling you what's on and where you can submit your work. This month, we're going to try to do as much of that as possible, but because we're still in lockdown, we've had to shake it up a little bit. And as with the last episode, we're going to be recording this one remotely. In the absence of any open mics to go to, we're going to be holding our own again over the phone. Our amazing listeners have phoned in to our online voicemail system to leave their submissions and we're really excited to share them all with you later in the show. We'll also be bringing you our coronavirus notice board as well as the usual submission opportunities. We'll be giving you details of any virtual poetry events taking place over the next few days. So I guess, first of all, some sad news to start off with. We recently found out about the death of uh, Dean McKee, who was a fantastic poet and kind of very regular figure on the London spoken word scene. Uh, He was a care worker. uh, He was 28 years old and died of coronavirus uh, earlier this month. Yeah, I think we're all very sad to hear that Dean's passed away. Um, All all three of us. Yeah. uh, When we first started doing spoken word in London specifically, Dean was a very big part of all of our growing up here. <laughs> oh, he was such a cheerleader for the scene and just the nicest, friendliest guy. Huge yeah. bear hugs, like really huge heart. And oh, Christ, 28 is no eight. My mum met him once at a um, at a boomerang. And when she sort of saw that I sort of put on Facebook that Aldina died and, and she said, is that the really lovely man with the beard? Because he just, he welcomed me like he was, like I was... A regular and I was welcomed back and he was so genuinely pleased to mm. see me and I'd never met him before and it just and she obviously he obviously just made such a mark on her and that was just how he was you know yeah, yeah. definitely he's a very funny very caring person and uh yeah it's it's a very strange thing to for us all to be dealing with um mm. right now because it's uh it's a strange one obviously it's not a family member to us all but also, and you know, I have to be honest, I haven't uh, hadn't spoken to Dean in quite a while. I don't think mm-hmm. uh, any of the three of us had, and it's um, it's still a shock, um, mm-hmm. even for people in the community who hadn't um, seen Dean or spoken with Dean for a while. Mm-hmm. And he was such a huge figure in the community. So the fact that we, as a community, aren't sort of together to meet up and share Dean's stories, like, obviously social media has been alive with it and i saw that he's he's was a huge queen's park rangers fan and done a (laughs) video especially for them and that like it's it's been lovely seeing the different areas where where he's been remembered but also Mm. no one should be being remembered at 28 it's it's beyond fucked up and yeah it feels very weird trying to sort of i know i've seen lots of very beautifully written tributes but also Dean should be writing this, you know? Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. Like he had so much more in him. It's, it's, yeah. Yes. And I, I also can't help either think, you know, we've seen a lot of kind of government ministers calling for tributes to care workers um, who've, who've died as a result of coronavirus. And I feel like Dean would have had a pretty strongly worded poem to write. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet he would. Uh, <laughs> I remember, I think it was that same night of Boomerang that my mum kind of leaned over to me midway through one of Dean's sort of excellent political, poetical rants and just went, are any poets right wing? <laughs> no. Uh, 
not the good ones. <laughs> yeah, that's like, I think Philip Larkin might have been a proto-fascist, but apart from that, um, yeah. not really. Um, no. But um, yeah, so I, I think I think he might have had some some thoughts to share about that. Mm. Um, yeah, quite possibly, um, yeah. quite possibly. I know that um, for anybody listening who does want to do something um, around it, I know that I believe there's a GoFundMe page. Um, his family set up to help with uh, funeral costs, um, which they've hit, but they're also now collecting for the care home in which uh, Dean worked. So um, if people want to donate to that, it's a very worthy cause. No, absolutely. Uh, if anybody wants to donate to that GoFundMe, go to uk.gofundme.com forward slash F forward slash Dean dash McKees dash memorial dash fund. Uh, McKees is M-C-K-E-S. It's amazing and a testament to, to Dean's work as a as a poet and as a carer um, and just as a person that uh, they managed to meet the the cost of the funeral very quickly and and uh, it's great that they're now able to put some more money towards a cause that I'm sure Dean would have wanted to support. Absolutely, I, I do think it's something that you you know you're sort of saying about these different areas of life that he's touched. I think you know within the poetry community we really only see one facet of each other, but that yeah. that facet that we see is is something that perhaps people other people in that person's life don't see, and it is so beautiful and so worth remembering that kind of amazing bit that we see of each other. Yeah, it was funny. Um, I think his sister wrote something online about uh, about Dean and. The, the fact that he was a, an amazing poet came somewhere down the list. It wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> the first thing that that uh, to her was was on the list. And yeah, it, I'm sure from it, but for for obvious reasons. But I'm sure. I'm sure for you know, we all have these other facets. And um, yeah, it's just one of many to be remembered. And uh, mm. yeah, it's a very very sad occasion for uh, a lot of us. I think at the moment. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure glasses and voices will be raised at the end of this when we can all get together. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's probably a good time to mention as as well. Mm. Um, yesterday we got um, some more sad news from our friends over in Cambridge um, about uh, poet Karen Freeborn, um, who uh, I think the three of us personally, um, I, I she's one of those people who've, who's always been uh, visible online and, and uh, particularly around uh, Allographic and uh, in a lot of different forums. I, I'm sure I've read her commenting and posting on things pretty regularly. Unfortunately, I haven't uh, never got the chance to see her, but uh, we know um, that that's another big, big loss in the community over in Cambridge. So um, just uh, guys, what a month. <laughs> yeah, she was one of those poets that I had heard of and kind of was waiting to discover do you know what I mean that you kind of go oh, okay they sound good if, if she's if she's performing I, I'll, I'll want to see that at some point and yeah mm. I was looking forward to discovering her I guess I think everything that we just said um about Dean and how much uh he was important to the community here in London I'm sure people over in Cambridge would be saying exactly the same thing about Karen um mm. where all you know our hearts are going out to um our friends um, and colleagues over in Cambridge, because um, I'm sure everything that we've just said is being echoed there at the moment. And uh, it's a sad time um, here. It's a sad time there. And I'm sure there's other uh, other instances of this across the country and across the world that we're 
uh, not yet aware of um, that we're not yet mm. talking about, um, but it's important to be remembering um, the amazing <laughs> losses that are occurring in poetry and elsewhere. So, so yeah, it's mm. been a month. It's been a month. <laughs> wow, we started strong. <laughs> we started strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yes. So what have you guys been up to this month, Hannah? So I haven't been reading as much as I'd like. I've been realizing that reading is something that tended to happen on commutes, and I've been having to especially carve out space for it. I can't remember if I said this last month as well. Um, but I've been watching quite a few uh, video essays about different elements of the pandemic. Um, including a philosophy tube on YouTube um, by Oliver Thorne did a video especially about beauty in a time of ugliness, um, which varied across everything from Nabokov to um, perfume. Uh, But he wound up looking at the uh, Spanish flu epidemic of 1918 and whether how much art came out of it. And the answer is really not much. I feel like, I personally put a lot of pressure on myself with like, right, you've got time, do things. (laughs) And I feel like I'm probably like, the art will come, I hope and assume, but like this, this is frankly a time for absorbing the news and sort of recalibrating or yeah, I've been watching a few things about how we, what entertainment looks like in the abs in, in social distancing, um, WWE did a one match with an empty arena before the shutdown. That was incredible. And I watched a couple of video essays about that and Mm -hmm. about what elements of live performance do and don't work in absence and sort of seeing where the gaps are. That genuinely taught me more about performance and audience reaction and and kind of, yeah, stage dynamics than I think entire modules of my drama degree. (laughs) (laughs) Some kind of Beckett play. Like, it was bizarre. Yeah, yeah. I want to know what Tyrone thinks about it because (laughs) he loves wrestling and loves poetry and I want to know what his thoughts are. (laughs) At me, Tyrone. (laughs) What have you been up to, Rebecca? Me, um, doing some mad shit to kind of try and try and keep the boredom at bay. Um, I was in a bit of a funk last week, and it turns out when I get into funks, I do I do crazy shit. Um, so uh, I um, work writing about charities uh, in my in my civilian life, my normal life, and uh, charities are having a really really bad time at the moment um, because a lot of public fundraising has stopped. A lot of them re- rely on investments and endowments, and those are screwed because of the economy. Um, at the same time, sort of demand for their services is just skyrocketing and kind of the, the practicalities of delivering it is getting harder because of lockdown. And on top of that, the London Marathon was cancelled this weekend. And, you know, that raises squillions every year. I think off the top of my head, I think it's about 40 million last year. I will have to check that. Hmm. Um, but um, Which is two so- squillion in old money. Two squillion in old money, yes. Um, basically, this campaign was launched to try and raise some money for charities, sort of off the, uh, sort of in in the absence of the marathon, called the two point six challenge. And obviously, I think it was playing around with kind of twenty six miles in a marathon. And the idea was you could do anything that involved uh, the numbers two and six. So people were sort of you know running two point six miles or twenty six miles or you know that is in fact a marathon. R- running twenty six miles is in fact a marathon. Rebecca. <laughs> on their own uh, and sometimes they were doing it for like across like staggered over a few days um and so yeah all people were like 
juggling or for 26 minutes or doing you know 260 burpees or something uh i decided um that because i enjoy fancy dress and have a lot of weird and wonderful outfits to my name um that Mm. i would dress in 26 different costumes over two days uh, and I got people to donate to a fundraiser and um, suggest costume ideas uh, in return for a donation. And uh, yeah, it was bonkers and it was a lot of fun. And I'm I'm, I'm knackered. Uh, but yeah, no, it was really good. And I, I kind of set out with the total, of, with the, the aim to raise about £130 on the basis that 26 people giving me a fiver is £130. Uh, and mm. I've raised almost 10 times that. Wow. Yes, yeah, we're now on uh, 1,265, I last count. Uh, what were some of the outfits I've been... I was catching up too late because my internet was being shit all the weekend. But... There was grot bags. There was grot bags, which I don't really I don't really remember grot bags at all. You don't remember uh, grot bags? I don't. Somehow. My mum called me that, but I did not know that was a character. <laughs> just thought it was an install. <laughs> just, just something my mum calls me. <laughs> I love grot bags, man. Which which pie is which which pie? It was great. I was like raised on that show. And also, there's a band from Manchester called Grot Bags who are great. <laughs> I love how all kids' shows are basically completely inexplicable. Like, when you try to explain it to somebody, <laughs> they're like, what the fuck? Why are you just saying words? Yeah. Like, um, do you remember, um, not the magic roundabout, there was the roundabout that when we were kids that, that had like a kind of a man in a oh, hat. Oh, play and a bird. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the ragdoll one was the worst. My girlfriend can still go on a 10-minute rant about how shit the ragdoll one was. <laughs> oh, did you guys ever watch the raggy dolls talking of that? The witch? I've been like, the raggy dolls. The raggy dolls. Um, Do you remember that? That rings a bell. Anyway, that wasn't like yeah. Rosie and Jim on the old ragdoll. No, that was good, though. I did like a bit yeah. of Rosie and Jim. Recently, I rediscovered one of the Sonic cartoons from the 90s. Sonic Underground oh. has the like one of the best theme tunes that I've ever heard. It's just so good. Just like, <laughs> It's all exposition. All exposition. But this is the thing, trying to explain it to people. Like, um, so obviously, my husband didn't grow up in this country, didn't get a lot of the kids oh, TV yeah. that we had. And he's like, what is this psychedelic shit? What? It, what? what why? <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I ended up with I think Del Boy, a T Rex, the Lonely Goat Herd from the Sound of Music, Frida Kahlo, <laughs> Father Ted, the Little Mermaid, uh, Wurzel oh. Gummidge, uh, a Power Ranger. So yeah, there was a, a weird and the wonderful. Power collection. Ranger was great. <laughs> I was especially impressed with your sort of stick on coloured paper, like anime hair done but with paper, or your Power Ranger triangles. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the the anime hair was Gara. Gara. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Unfortunately, I'm not an anime fan, but Tyrone is. So uh, yeah, he, he nominated me to do that one. Um, so yeah. Um, so if you want to see, oh, the other one, the other one which gets mm-hmm. a special mention was Pfeffer's flamboyant cuttlefish, which was Robin <laughs> Lamb's suggestion. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Robin. Yeah. Thank you for that, uh, which was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I also, now I'm a bit obsessed with them. They are absolutely beautiful. Yeah, if you wanted to see any of that bonkers shit, uh, so if you go to uh, uk.virginmoneygiving.com slash Rebecca Cooney 2, and then, yeah. The, That's the, that Rebecca Cooney one. Yeah, apparently there is. Uh, <laughs> there is, no, I do get regularly asked if I've ever written for The Lancet because there is a, an editor oh. of The Lancet in New York who is called Rebecca Cooney. Okay. Um so yeah, not me, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, 
unless you're paying in which case yes absolutely but yeah if you go to that you can see the there's a flicker gallery and yeah if you would like to if you enjoy me watching me look daft please do feel free to give some money towards that it's for i was raising money for refuge uh so the sort of anti-domestic violence charity and the national emergencies trust which is sort of raising it's running an appeal for charities affected by coronavirus and the idea is that they will give them to small community groups who are on the ground who know the best way to spend the money most effectively on the ground in in affected communities cool cool so yes so i did that this month what else did i do poetry wise i uh did the um uh rick the most's poetry at your place slam this weekend as well that was really good fun really really nice group of poets they are Mm. awesome uh so yeah that was a lot of fun uh it was a slightly different setup for a slam um because i've done the cambridge hammer and tongue slam online and that had a you know group of judges who were in a separate room and were giving sending their scores to faye separately this one was like two poets going head to head which was okay yeah so they kind of had um two poets would go and then there would be a, a poll um, and every everybody oh. vote. Yeah. Oh, like a tournament. Tables. Yeah, nice. and then and and then like basically it was like bouts almost. Yeah. So, yeah, that was interesting. That was it. Was it, yeah. Okay. Um, but it, like of course it was it was Rick hosting, so it was a really lovely warm atmosphere. It wasn't weird or competitive or anything. And every you know everyone in the comments was very very nice. So yeah, no, that was a that was really good. So, Although it's not a competition, I believe somebody won. I, I did. I did win that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Hannah. Yeah, yes. No, I, I, yeah, I did end up winning, much to my surprise, because I was sat there like worrying about how I was going to make Wurzel Gummidge's hair and stuff like that. <laughs> yes, so it is. It is in New Zealand. Um, Rick is now based in New Zealand, um, and so it's seven thirty p.m. New Zealand time, eight thirty in the morning uh, on a Sunday, uh, our time. But as you know, as I'm not planning to go anywhere most Sundays for the foreseeable, um, I think I'm, 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 I may well get up early and get a blanket and tune in again. To be honest, because it was it was really really lovely. Some really great poets. Um, yeah, just really really warm. Uh, great poem uh, about uh, Rick's nips that is worth hearing. <laughs> Okay. Yep. I mean, Rick does have great nips. Rick has great so... nips and uh, a poet called Hunter. I, unfortunately, I've forgotten the second name. Um, I will look that up. But uh, yeah, uh, Hunter did a fantastic poem about Rick's nips as a tribute. And it was it was lovely. So, yeah. So what have you been up to, Laurie? Me? Um, well, I don't think you can count playing Animal Crossing as poetry, although <laughs> maybe you can, um, because it is very calming and poetic uh, in its own way. If you write a poem about it. Well, I mean, I've got to carry on because it's Napo Rimo, yes. isn't it? So, poem a day. Well, and I'm not quite up to speed, but nearly a couple of poems behind on that. Um, so, doing Napo Rimo, which has been a good one. It's been an interesting one. This is my third year in a row, and I've done one year before as well of doing Napo Rimo. Yeah, it's probably the strangest <laughs> year of doing Napo Rimo. Mm. Or maybe the second strangest. Yeah. It was a weird thing to think about going into it of to what degree am I going to be writing about what's going on right now? Like whether you want to actively write about it or not Mm. um, is an interesting question Mm. because I just kept seeing so many things going on online about, oh, we're looking for poetry to uh, to do with the lockdown, poetry to do with isolation. I thought 
the one thing I don't want to read about <laughs> is people being stuck indoors. <laughs> uh, and, you know, nothing against people who are writing that. It's important, but also, I don't know. Um, so I'd say most of what I'm writing has not been about lockdown. So yeah, doing NaPoRimo, which is all right. Hopefully going to hit the 30 poems in 30 days, I think. Um, yeah. So that's good. I'm actually putting them on Instagram this time, which I have never done before. Yeah, sorry, I've has become an Insta uploaded them to a private group. I have. Well, maybe, kind of. Me and Rupi Kaur, we're like that now. Um, yeah, she she loves what I said about her on that previous <laughs> podcast. Uh, Where can people find your Insta poetry, Laurie, while we're on the subject? On my Instagram, which is Laurie Eves Poet, all is one word. Um, and it won't be it'll be too late by the time this goes out yeah, but um sorry. tomorrow i'm doing doing my uh live stream book launch uh, online which i'm excited about i don't quite know what i'm going to do for it but that's exciting also i've been working on putting together a, a cassette of the book um while i've been in isolation because why not so I'm making that at the moment. Um, what else? Not really even, not really doing that much reading, actually. Um, and, oh yeah, I did the, uh, went to the Big Fat Poetry Pub Quiz mm. uh, oh, yeah. last week. I keep meaning to do that, although I know bugger all about poetry, so really. It was really hard. <laughs> yeah, it I'm was really it. hard. <laughs> we, everybody, like we had a team of four people who'd studied English literature and like we did not come close to winning it was really difficult is it Jake and Amy um, at Bad Betty setting the, the questions it is yeah, yeah. I mean, that was what terrified um, me about it because yes there is there is a lot of technical knowledge and, and knowledge of, of poetry and written poetry um you know and kind of authors that you've probably not you know may not have encountered uh, but they have because they are incredibly well-read and knowledgeable and that that did scare me off a little bit yeah i mean i did enjoy it it was great um and uh, i think there's a they're, they're starting to do them on a more regular basis which is cool but yes it was hard damn you jake like it's a hard quiz so i'll have to sort up for the next one yeah Oh, I should tell you, there's one thing I want to kind of recommend that I've been I've been doing uh, this this month because I'm obsessed with it, um, which mm -hmm. is yeah, like like you guys, I really haven't been reading as much as I thought I would, but I have been doing the old podcast thing, and I got I've got very very into the Magnus archives, which um, mm. I've seen Ray Roberts tweeting about cryptically for a couple of years now, <laughs> and I just thought yeah, I'll give it a I'll give it a go, and what it is is it's kind of a, a horror podcast with sort of um it's got kind of like each episode is kind of stands alone and then they kind of build into a kind of meta narrative and it is just deliciously creepy and beautifully produced and Faye um is in it um and is is fantastic I've never I never actually thought Faye could threaten to break every bone in somebody's body convincingly but uh but they do <laughs> oh they uh, are a accent chameleon yeah, I've, I've I've been at the fringe with Faye where their accent will mm, shift to meet whatever the bartender's accent is, whether that's Glasgow or New Zealand, and then turn back to me in <laughs> speaking. Yeah, no, they they are, half the time they don't know they're doing it, but yeah, like very talented <laughs> with different voice acting generally. 
this was very much Faye's just normal voice. Like, but yes, no, I, I thoroughly recommend it. I believe um, you know Johnny Sims, who's the person behind it. Yeah, Johnny's my old housemate. Um, yeah, we, we briefly lived a few spaced-like years being very unemployed in Leytonstone together. Um, I knew he was talented when he was wandering around bumming cigarettes off everyone at the Fringe and sort of the very early 2000s. Tens. So yes, yeah, it is awesome to see him kind of come to a wider audience. The incredibly frustrating thing about Johnny, though, and I don't think you'll mind me saying it, um, he's got this very kind of panto baddie persona, and he's a very funny guy. But he also will just be lulling around doing nothing most of the time, just you know, absorbing Clint Eastwood movies for two days straight. And then suddenly he'll go off to his room for like an hour and come back having written a masterpiece of a short story. And he was one of the most sort of anxiety-free and therefore frustrating to live with creators I think I've ever been around. Because the way the way some of the episodes are written, you just it is that thing where it hurts a little bit that you didn't write that or write anything that good. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You know, when something is so good, you're like, oh, I wish I'd thought of that and been able to write it. So like, it's beautifully written. Uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Talking of podcasts, yeah. I'm on a couple of podcasts this month. Yeah. You are in- yeah, the, on the Burning Eye podcast um, and also on the Find the Right Words podcast. It's been exciting mm. to just be sitting in darkened rooms, chatting into cyberspace and hoping someone's listening. <laughs> check those out. Check those out. Awesome. Right. Shall we do, speaking of things to check out, shall we do a notice board? Yeah, let's go for it. Let's do it. Cool. Now it's time for our notice board section, letting you know what virtual poetry nights are coming up this month and where you can submit your work for publication. First up, uh, Allographic and Hammer and Tongue Cambridge are responding to the current crisis by moving online and will continue their usual schedule. So Allographic Open Mic will be the last Sunday of every month using Zoom and Hammer and Tongue Cambridge Slam will be on the first Friday of every month uh, also using Zoom. Allographic will also be doing weekly writing workshops on Sundays, 2 to 3 p.m. Search Allographic and Hammer and Tongue Cambridge for details on Facebook. And Rick the Most is running a weekly Poetry at Your Place events on Zoom, which Rebecca spoke about earlier. And that's every Sunday UK time at 8.30. Rick is based in New Zealand, um, so it's 7.30 p.m. over there. It's definitely worth taking part. Uh, Search for at, at symbol, Your Place events on Facebook. And Words Down, the writing session has moved online. Uh, that's on every Tuesday evening. Uh, the brownies and flat whites, sadly, are not going to be as good, um, but the productivity might be. Um, you can search for Words Down Writing Group on Facebook, and that's run by Hannah Gordon. So on May the 3rd, we've got All Beehive UK Slam Championships first heat. Uh, so the slam will be run live on Zoom, following the traditional slam format over three rounds, with 15 poets competing to a three-minute time limit for a winner-takes-all prize of £75. So if you search Ooh Beehive, so that's three O's in Ooh, Beehive UK, Slam, uh, that should come up on Facebook. On May the 4th, it's Word Up Spoken Word. It's a special invited mic event online. So that's specially curated invited mic, open mic, presumably, for acts alongside a feature poet and an exciting headliner. Are we allowed to say who it is? I know who oh, it is. Oh, okay. uh, Zena Redwoods, I think. Oh, awesome. Oh, awesome. Excellent. If it is. Oh, I have not seen Zena ever yes. in ages. That'd be so cool. Yeah, it says expect MCs, rappers, poets, spoken wordsmiths all coming together to share all coming together to share their thoughts, poems and bars. Uh, the show starts at 8pm and will finish by 9.30pm. It's interesting the slightly different times you've got as well. 
now that it's remote. Um, Hats off to Hannah. I love her ability to 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 finish a night on time and to know when it finishes. Because yeah, that's that's a rare thing in the poetry world. And it's not that I'm a stickler for time, but it is rather lovely when something finishes kind of at a reasonable time. It is nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it says here entry is free, but you need to book a ticket um, so that you can be sent the link to tune in. So you just search for Word Up, Spoken Word, Special Invited Mic event on Facebook. Uh, Bad Belly Press are launching two new pamphlets on the 2nd of May. And those are War Dove by Troy Kabita and At the Speed of Dark by Gabriel Akamo. Um, and I already wanted the Gabriel Akamo one um, because they're a great writer. I am not aware of Troy, but I'm definitely going to tune in and give that a go. Um find that on Facebook. Um, there's also on the 10th of May, Poetry from the Grassroots is an event going on, hosted by uh, Mark, Mr. T. Thompson and David Lee Morgan. Hammer and Tongue Hackney um, is going to be on on Tuesday, the 5th of May, and that's definitely a live, a live stream. They've got two awesome headliners, Maria Ferguson and the Repeat Beat Poet. What more could you Ooh. want? Insight, which is run by Forum Plus LGBT. Uh, charity which i <laughs> have just started hosting for the year only for that to you know <laughs> everything's changed we are going to be running something online uh on the 17th of may which is ida hot which is international day against homophobia and transphobia so uh finer details tbc but that that will be uh if you go to uh, look up insights poetry on facebook um all the details will be there in due course and on to submissions. Uh, so Muddy Feet, who I know we've definitely mentioned a few times before. So they do um, they're run by Peter Hayhoe and they do fantastic videos of poets performing either kind of like in the studio or live at events. Uh, and they have launched a brand new show on YouTube featuring a mixture of Muddy Feet classics and videos from a select group of filmmakers who work alongside poets to bring out new and innovative work. Um, they basically want people to send in any videos they would like to be featured on the show. The video will be fully credited to you and those involved in its creation. They're especially looking for animated and experimental videos, pieces that boldly challenge how poetry is presented. All videos must be HD quality and have good quality sound. Uh, Search for Muddy Feet on YouTube or email muddyfeetpoetry at gmail.com. On the anthology front, Mancunian Ways Anthology, uh, which I think we mentioned last time and also uh, one of the organisers was on the open mic last time. Um, They are still looking for submissions on the theme of Manchester for a uh, anthology published by Fly on the Wall Press. Submissions close on June 6th. Uh, at midnight, so there's plenty of time to get involved. The Fall for Poetry International Chatbook Competition is in for entries. Uh, first prize, I believe, that, I believe it's based in Ireland, so the first prize is €1,000. Second prize is €500. Both winners will receive a chatbook publication and 25 complimentary copies. Um, and the winning poets uh, offered a reading and three nights accommodation at the Cork International Poetry Festival. Who knows if that's happening? Who yeah. knows if anything's <laughs> happening? Deadline is 31st of August. Um Look it up online. Bad Betty has an open call for submissions of poems on survival for the Bad Betty anthology launching autumn 2020. They want to see a wide range of interpretations of the theme, so take it wherever you like, from COVID-19 to surviving high school, um, from the political and historical to the personal, and the ways they coexist. Uh, Successful poets will have their work published in the book, receive a £50 fee, and be invited to perform at the launch with travel reimbursement and a small performer fee, Obviously, not clear whether that's going to be virtual or online. 
nobody knows because no one knows anything. Deadline for that is Sunday 10th of May. Uh, so uh, go to badbeddypress.com forward slash the dash 2020 dash anthology dash survival for more information. Um, and then just a general shout out and a reminder to just support any artists that you come across, uh, contribute to their Patreons, um, buy their books. Yeah, if there's an artist you like, chances are they may well be struggling at the moment. So do feel free to reach out and support them. Buy books by living people. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't go and buy Charles Dickens' Great Expectations. It will still be there. Charles Dickens is still going to be there at the end of the lockdown. And he doesn't need. <laughs> yeah, he already got paid per word, so that's why. <laughs> Please, sir, can <laughs> I have some more? He doesn't need any more. <laughs> Leave Charles Dickens out of this. Leave he doesn't Charles need... Dickens alone. <laughs> doesn't need your penny pinching money. <laughs> Give it to somebody who's a good poet. Give it to Bridget Minimore. <laughs> give it to uh, Cecilia Knapp. Give it to give it to a poet who needs it, right? Like somebody who is living, uh, not even a poet. Go and support a novelist. We love novelists. Go and support a band. But yeah, don't, don't spend your money on, on de- old dead people. They don't need it. Cool. Uh, on that note, anything else you guys want to plug? Laurie's got a book launch. Laurie's got a book. I have got a book launch, but but it's gone. It's gone. It's already in the past, Hannah. You're living in the past, Hannah. Yeah, I plan to edit this the same the same night as the book launch. But uh, hope it hope it went well. Sorry, guys. It, it did. It <laughs> did. I I spoke and people turned up. It was great. What is that to plug? My book's out still. I mean, I know I plugged that last month, but it's still out. What's it called again? Um, called biceps you can get it from uh laurieves.bigcartel.com or from burningeye.co.uk or from your local bookshop if they are still operating uh online or uh via telephone yeah also i feel like you can still continue to plug it like it, this book was like what two years in the making i think you can plug it for more than one month in a row in fact continue <laughs> plugging it no, I will start plugging start plugging the next one instead. Okay. <laughs> My pluggable things. I am Hannah Chutzpah, uh, C-H-U-T-Z-P-A-H, uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, on Facebook, Hannah Chutzpah Poet, and uh, my silly baby project, uh, Dragons of London, uh, continues to uh, go from strength to strength. We featured on a uh, Walk London, London Tour Guide podcast for St George's Day this month. So if you want to hear me talking over the worst internet connection I've had so far, um, uh, yeah, uh, holding forth about the red-tipped Londinians and other dragon species, uh, go check out Dragons of London. You can find me on Twitter, at Rebecca K. Cooney, uh, on Instagram, at any name but Becky. And my website is uh, rebeccakcooney.wordpress.com. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Dead Darlings Pod, Facebook as Dead Darlings Podcast, and you can email us at deaddarlingspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you liked what you heard, or indeed heard what you liked, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe <laughs> wherever you get your podcasts and to help us spread the word. Uh, all of our poets' details will be available on our social media. Um, thank you so much to all of them for letting us showcase their work. Uh, thank you to my co-hosts, Hannah Hutzper and Laurie Eves, to Texas Radio for our theme music, and to you for listening. Bye! Bye! We did have a fantastic response once again to our calls for submissions and it's been amazing to hear just uh, some familiar voices we know and love and some new ones uh, bringing us poetry in isolation. For this open mic, the normal rules apply. Everyone gets five minutes and kicking down is not allowed by which we mean don't be a dick. 
Uh, we also ask everyone who submitted if they had any recommendations for poems, books, resources, tips, or anything else they thought people should check out to keep the isolation blues at bay. My tip this month is that uh, I found out that in our local area, uh, Deliveroo offer uh, our, our running groceries. So when you suddenly need a vegan magnum at no notice, um, you can get someone else to bring it to you, which is very much... <laughs> a first world problem <laughs> don't knock it till you've tried it uh, absolutely. i would not dream of it i have um, tried it they are quite nice so uh unlike um a regular open mic you can't go up to the poet in the break and tell them how amazing you thought they were and just generally fan boy girl other all over them but many of them shared their social media details so if you like their work give them a follow and let them know how much you appreciated it do feel free to tag us too in that conversation we're all poets we're all insecure we all want to hear from you we all want to <laughs> You love us. It's been a long, long month. Do feel free to applaud in between poets wherever you are. You're unlikely to be in public at this point, so it's fine. Um, yeah, particularly if you're out for your daily government mandated exercise. <laughs> it remains to be seen whether the next episode will be another open mic or back to our usual schedule, kind of recorded remotely. Uh, we will let you know about that when we know. So, without any further ado, welcome to the second Dead Darlings open mic. Pull up a chair, get a drink at the bar, fridge, kettle, etc. And please welcome our first poet to our audio stage. Woo! Yeah, boy! Hi there. Um, my name's Leanne Moden, um, and I'm a poet based in Nottingham. Uh, this poem that I'm going to share with you is called Beef Stew. Um, and it's about a chef and a food standards investigator who fall in love. Uh, it's also a univocalism, uh, just using the letter E. I really like using constrained writing techniques like this, especially when I'm stuck for ideas, because I think that applying constraints to your writing sometimes frees you up to create something that you wouldn't normally think of otherwise. So here we go. Beef stew. Feed expert Eve Bennett seeks best refreshments. She's severe. She's stern. She's restless. Eve depresses execs. Medals, checks, servers, pen-dense sheets, chefs, self-esteem wrecked. Eve eschews perks, stresses freshness. When beef reeks, Eve sheds deets. She chews green eggs. Vets, less sweet veg, wet cheese, feet-scented crepes. Eve never defers, prefers resentment, respect. Chefs beg mercy, Eve's relentless. Then, Eve meets Seth. Eve checks Chef Seth's set, Chester's seventh, seventh best stew settlement. Seth's stew renders Eve speechless. Stretched beef entrees, beer-pressed red deer, leek-steeped eel nettles, best stews ever. Seth breeds geese, engenders sereneness. Seth's deep, sweet, effervescent. Eve gets Seth's spell. She amends her precedent, pledges less restlessness. 
Seth presents new stew. Eve's belly strength tested. Green smelted venter belched. Ten men spew strength wretches. Eve regrets new stew. Hefty precedents re-elected. Eve expels Seth. So that's my univocalism. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, the submission stated that we could um, talk about some of the things that we're doing at the moment. So um, I just wanted to mention that I am putting together a, a workshop, leading a workshop um, called Editing Poetry. It's an online workshop, so you can come and be part of it from anywhere in the world. And we're doing that on sen- Sunday, the 10th of May. Um, And you can find all the details about that on Facebook or Twitter, where you can find me um, as Leanne Moden Poet. And the editing sessions will be lots of tips and tricks to help you to edit your poetry um, to make it the best that it can be. Um, And we've already done a couple of these workshops and they've always been really good fun. So be really lovely to see you there. Um, And then at the moment, I am reading uh, The Day I Swallowed the World by John Humphreys. Um, John is a poet who's local to Nottingham. And this collection is just so beautiful, lyrical. Um, And one of the nice things about it is that there are like um, notes for every poem. So there are introductions that tell you a little bit about what the piece is about, how he felt about it, how it came together. And I really like that way of writing. So um, I want to definitely tell everybody about The Day I Swallowed the World by John Humphreys. Um, and John Humphreys, Nottingham-based writer and somebody who deserves to be far more well-known than he already is. Anyway, thanks for listening. Um, and thanks to Dead Darlings for being awesome. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi, my name is Andrina Leanne. I am 39 years old and I live in Walthamstow, East London. Um, This lockdown period has got me thinking about home and what home means to me. So this poem is called Home For Me Is. Home for me is more than bricks and mortar. It's a lovely warm place with an abundance of food and running water. Home for me is a place I could be messy and make mess in five minutes. Funny how it all takes much longer to tidy up than there's always washing up. Home for me is a place I can be me and unleash my creativity. Home for me is a place to keep clean. A place to be proud, quiet and loud. A place to think and make plans. Home for me is a place to bake bread alone and choose to eat it with family and friends. Home for me is comfort, safety, sanity, everything in its entirety. Home for me is somewhere to return after being outside. A place where I can choose to hide behind closed doors or keep them open if I like. Home for me is choice. Freedom to shop and choose the things I like. Things that you may not think are nice. 
Home for me is a place to rest my head at any time and unwind with candlelight at night. Home for me is the only place where I can truly do what I like and it's all right. And after all that I've been through, I'm lucky to be alive and live in the place that I've just described. Thank you. You can find me on Instagram, survivor.andrina.lian. Or I run an event called Poetry LGBT, Open Mic Night. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Poetry LGBT. Thank you. My name is Matthias Monkey-Ediger, and this is Aortic Root for my dear friend Pauline, who sadly passed away recently. One day she just stood there, freshly planted tree tall, weathered willow-wise, green silk scarf covering past cuttings, every sentence conjuring nature with her deep breath, whilst warm eyes encouraged growth. She did, on me, with time and kindness, took root in my heart's ground, the teachings of her passions, her firm beliefs, the seeds that brought forth memories of one strong branch of my own family tree, lost too soon to bowel decay. It sometimes felt like new limb had been grafted on to give me hope. We both loved seeing fresh shoots grow. When nature took you back, while you were watching spring arrive, I'd like to think that you're in charge now, of all the cherry blossoms petals dance. I sense your soul in every bark beat. I would like to plug Allographic, who are doing online write-ins and open mics at the moment, and foster a lovely community too. Thank you. Hello dead darlings, you beautiful human skin bags of emotion and light. I am Rick the Most and I have a short little poem to share with you called Time Out. Time to get up. Time for school. Time to get a job now. No time at all. No time to relax. No time to breathe. It's time to leave. Time to see all the things there are to see. Time for me. No we. Now child. Now three. Time to buy a house. And drive a bigger car. Time to get a second job. Now time at the bar. Lots of time at the bar. But good things come to those who wait, right? Time didn't. Time flew. Lost you. Went too far ahead of me, played tick, tick, tick with life's list, won three in a row. Got thrown further than my tactics could tow me, so took time out. An expensive hobby. Went to the bank for some time they could loan me, felt like I owed me. Time to get to know me, spent so long on my own interests, now the grown interest owns me. Tried to work double time to pay off the debt, no time for upset, no time for regret. The right time is never, there's just the time left and it's running out. Constantly, till too late, inescapably, something will always be too late, but too little?
No, nothing. Too much, if anything, because in the grand scheme of time, except time, everything is. Thanks for listening. If you've got the time and want to hear more of my work, you can go to rickthemost.com. That's R-I-K, the most, so no C. There's plenty there and also a mailing list you can join to hear about my comings, goings, gigs and releases if the mood so takes you. I also run Your Place, a live online weekly spoken word event that is run out of my bedroom in New Zealand on Zoom. We alternate between a nice, chilled, discursive open mic session with a feature artist one week and a more intense and completely interactive slam with prize money with a whole audience of judges on the weeks between. At Your Place, we really enjoy and value the community element of our events with a vibrant and active chat as well as ridiculous side ventures like poetry dares, live painting and pet watch corner with our current kitty overlord Karen. So we welcome folks keen to comment and be involved in the Zoom room. But if you want a more passive viewing experience, we also live stream the event on Facebook. It is worth mentioning, so far all the slam winners have been from the UK, Miss Yankee, Mark Mr T Thompson and your very own Rebecca Cooney taking the win. So if you're listening from the UK, see if you can continue that trend. If you're not from the UK, then step up your game. I'm kidding, borders are bollocks and you're welcome and loved wherever you're from. The event takes place on Sundays at 7.30pm New Zealand time, which is 8.30am UK time, which I understand is a cruel time to be alive, but you don't even need to get out of bed for it. So join us in your PJs if you like. Also, it is free entry because finances should not be a barrier to accessing art, but donations are welcome because if your host can't eat, that becomes quite a barrier to the art that they're trying to give you access to. Details on how to donate are available during the stream. For more information about how to watch or even sign up to perform, like and follow us on Facebook by searching for Your Place Events. From there, you can even join our mailing list so we don't have to play the algorithmic guessing game as to whether you will actually see our posts. This Sunday is our open mic session with a feature set from the Pacifica poetry powerhouse and legend that is Tusiata Avia. So hopefully we'll see you there at your place. Thank you and love. Hello, it's me. <laughs> you know who I am. Uh, my name is Laurie Eves. I am one of the co-hosts of Dead Darlings. I'm going to do a new poem. It's new shit. New shit. New shit. This is one I wrote for Napo Rimo. It's not edited yet. Um, it's new. It's called Guess the Fruit. Walking through the Norfolk countryside, we play a game called Guess the Fruit. It's basically 20 questions, only way more specific to fruit. Everyone hates it, except me and you. You have the whole group guessing for half an hour over figs, which aren't even that obscure a fruit, really. We even got kumquats after 20 minutes. And somehow, years later, I find myself baking banana bread next to that same smirky face that had me shouting lychee at full lungs to an empty field. <laughs> Who'd have guessed? And that's it. That's my poem. Um, what was I going to say? So plugs, um, my book, um, Biceps, uh, which you can buy from Burning Eye Books or laurieves.bigcartel.com, um, Dead Darlings podcast, obviously. Um, what else? Um, I recommend if you 
like detective stories and you like video games, I recommend checking out that Ace Attorney series of games. They're really fun. You get to say objection a lot. Um, and they're just a good, cozy, but very funny, uh, almost read for these times. Thanks. Hi, everybody. Tim Kiley here. This is a poem called When Two Men Start Fighting Outside Your Corner Shop. One. Retrieve your phone. Be ready to document what is going on. Your memory is less reliable than you think. 2. Forget getting involved. No fight has ever been calmed down by the addition of one more combatant, and the martial arts you have been learning via Zoom will be of no use to you here. 3. Nevertheless, scan the bowls of produce in case you need to defend yourself. In the absence of coconuts of manageable size, potatoes are generally most useful. 4. You will always miss the first blow. This one you will need to remember. 5. You will never learn who started it. 6. By the time they are crossing the street, it is clearly unwise to get involved. Somebody will end up under a car. Make sure that it is not you. 7. Remember to record this on your phone. If you need to run, use photographs. If you have the luxury of not being involved, use video. 8. Always check that your escape routes are clear. 9. Suggest to the proprietor that somebody should call the police. 10. Listen patiently to his counter-suggestion that the man who was punched deserved it. 11. Continue to make this suggestion as the duo return, still shouting, and one of them enters the shop. If you can, record this on your phone. 12. Disbelieve the one who sees you with your phone out and tells you nothing happened, mate. This is wrong. What he means by this is that nothing significant happened, which is also wrong. 13. Bear this in mind when weighing up whether it can be made less wrong by getting the police involved. 14. The next two people you see having an argument on your way home will probably not come to blows. Leave them be. 15. When recounting all of this to your partner, remember that has everybody just gone nuts is frequently a question that presupposes that everybody does not include you. This is also wrong. 16. Feel your arm shaking. You are now involved. And that's it. If you like what I do and you want to hear more, follow me on Twitter at TimKiley1. My Facebook page is TimKileyPoet. What am I doing to keep the blues at bay? Um, other than the reading, I've been listening to a lot of jazz recently. That comes recommended. The album Hollywood Africans by Jean-Baptiste, uh, the guy who does the music for The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, is especially recommended from me at the moment. Um, other than that... Do what makes you happy, keep in touch with the people you love, make sure you step outside every once in a while and breathe deeply. Be good to yourselves, everybody, and uh, see you soon. My name is Anna. This poem is called If. Tonight, I am writing you a love poem. It is about your smile. The warmth of your laugh, it has metaphors in it. 
is the edge of your voice when you are complaining. Today you said, if I marry a woman, and I wanted to wrench the words out of your mouth, the way my uncle used to get rid of his baby teeth, by tying a string to the door handle and slamming it shut. If you should know that you are mine, your dreams are my dreams, your thoughts my thoughts, your words my words, your mouth my mouth, that bright copper sting when the tooth comes free, is mine. Uh, I think I'd recommend Mary Oliver. Uh, as always, she's kind of my go-to when I feel sad. Hello, this is Robin Lamble, and this poem is called Proprioception. I wish there were a shorter word for proprioception, that inner sense of your own poise, how your weight slips between sinews, how bone relates to bone. I wish the word sounded more casual, so we could talk about it normally, like, I saw a flower, I smelt a flower, I percept unslouching closer. Not the image of movement, but how the gravity of beauty feels. I wish there were a word for it other than feel. Feel all fingertips and surfaces, and nothing of what your marrow knows. I wish we had a word for lungs, not based on dissection, but on breath. On the tightness of despair. On the shattering exaltation of the universe leaking into your core. I used to think it strange that for most of human history we have had no word for green. Yet here we are, still piecing together, balanced on my heels, like I didn't need to know fifty types of unstable before I could talk, to learn the difference between walking and falling through finding every grade in between. I wish there were a shorter word of proprioception, so we would know the hollowness of skin, so that I would not have to explain again the space between drag queen and woman how you can look hunched but know yourself upright, so that when we are unanchored, contorted in our own depths, we could share the shape of our souls. I don't have anything in particular to plug, but I've recently been enjoying the book I Contain Multitudes by Ed Yong, and you can find me as Robin Lamble on most social media or Robin Lamble-Poet on Facebook. Hello, Dead Darlings. It's Anne Mannion, and my poem is um, called The Mother-in-Law's Visit, harping back to an earlier time when we were allowed to move around at will and travel 12,000 miles by a big aeroplane. So, once a strong and vital matriarch, now diminished in her eyes and yours, talking endlessly, inanely of people you've forgotten or never met, searching desperately for some mutual topic, giving up and talking anyway, a wall of sound, deafness stealing the last true connection, unable to hear, choosing to ignore details of your life, misunderstandings abound. Walking is slow now, bending, effortful. She resists attempts to help, actions that prove her failing ability. We compensate by retrieving utensils, reconnecting the phone, redoing the dishes, 
Painfully aware of her losses, she apologises occasionally, admits past bitterness and regrets, then quickly resumes her capable act to protect her reality, curtain authenticity. Those tired eyes are eager to see familiar faces, yearn to see the family stay close and love one another in a manner that is a mother's fantasy. She still sees beauty in art and nature, enjoys a childlike excitement to watch a big bird in flight and find an unfamiliar constellation in these southern skies. She tolerates our unusual diets, convinced it's all in the mind, never used to make you ill. We banish her smoking outside and don't confide what is important inside. Convinced she won't understand, even if by some miracle she hears the words we use. Civility is maintained. Gifts are exchanged. The overstayed visit ends with guilty goodbyes. Millie McConnell Everything sings. There were stars in the sky that night. Of course, there were always stars. But too many nights, she could not see them. This night, they blazed like the fires they were, gleaming in quiet defiance of the void. Still gazing up, she listened to the flagstones under her feet sing about the time they were a volcano. They had been thrown up into the clouds, still burning and breaking. When they fell, they were so small the wind could push them together. Then years and years pushed them until they were stones again, to be hewn and smoothed and placed here to hold her feet. We are stones, they sang, and we were in the clouds. There were no clouds that night. Somewhere else, she knew, they would sing of rivers and the sea, of the leaves they carried as they flowed, and the fish that slipped through them open-mouthed. They would sing of basking under the sun, soaking it in until they knew they could rise up and be something else. There was a wind that night. It was a gentle and a warm one, carrying with it the memory of all the spices and fine things that exist in a place so long beloved of people. The wind had a strange song, and she had not been able to hear it for very long. It sang of everything it had passed over and through and lifted and stirred. That might have been enough for any song, but the wind also sang of the deep things that guided its path. It sang of spirals and billows of heat, of vast rolling continents with mountains and valleys that funneled it. The wind sang of a great low turning it felt in the bones of the earth, as it rippled over the surface. She heard the wind sing of this, and listened to see if she could hear that immense, thunderous song the world sang as it turned. She thought she could. Smiling, she looked at the stars and wondered, when she learned how to hear them, what they would sing of. Hello, it's Rebecca Cooney from Dead Darlings Podcast. Um, my uh, poem doesn't have a title, um, but uh, it's an, it's one I attempted to do NaPoRimo, and to be honest, did not get very far with it. So, uh, yeah, but this poem did come out of it. Um, 
So yes, this is new shit. New New shit. shit. Yeah. My grandmother said, please God, after everything that was in the future. I'm going next week. Please God. We'll be in Australia next year. Please God. I'll see you again. Please God. I used to wonder if that's what happens when you grow old. The future is no longer a given and doubt sets in like arthritis. But now I hear her two word prayer silent in the spaces after every mention of a time beyond this. We'll be outside again in the autumn. We'll do it again next year, when things go back to normal. Swelling in the joints between now and then. Now, supermarket aisles are full of nothing but doubt. We wipe our asses on it, sparingly. We say, stay safe, and really mean it. We ask, how are you? Because the answer might be a real one. Maybe we have grown old together, weary of the world and yet yearning to return to it. Please, God. We'll see it again. So uh, my recommendation uh, would be um, the Magnus Archives podcast, which like I'm, I'm completely obsessed with. And it's wonderful. Hello, lovely listeners of the Dead Darlings podcast. You're right. It's nice to meet you. Um, yeah, my name's King Stammers. I'm from the Isle of Wight. Sorry about that. Um, this poem I'm going to do is called Noble Amateurs, and it normally contains a few cheeky swear words, but I wasn't sure if I'd be allowed to swear, so I've tried to work around that. Sorry about that. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you for having me, if this makes it on. Um, yeah, I'm going to get on with it now. This one's called Noble Amateur. Twas a rainy Thursday. In any ordinary town, and in a place quite nondescript, the poets came to get down and offer forth their freshest flows of flawless pentameter. The drinks were flowing, spirits were high, and that's all that really mattered, save for one man, sat at the back, who found his nerves aflame. He scowled, he frowned, he pondered to himself, do these poets feel no shame? This poetry isn't proper, this poetry isn't real, there's no command of subtlety here, just plain lacks appeal. He thought their pose was uninspired, long in the tooth dog eared and tired, and in a singular word he thought he weren't it, and he couldn't stand it any longer, not one little bit. And so he decided, as with all his other scars, that he'd throw his anger into bars of cutting verse to separate wheat from shaft, going in for the jugular to make himself laugh. It took four drafts till he was content, until he felt that his work had fulfilled its intent. And he looked down proudly upon his work with a grin, smugly elated at the wit within. Thursday came, and he grabbed his books, and he perched the bar, giving furtive little looks, and as the host called up his name, our angry young case study abandoned all shame, fancying himself iconoclastic, he spewed forth verbal pyroclastic flows of savage, unhinged, rhyming, long on insults, haphazard on timing. He systematically tore apart what he thought were lesser forms of the art, gorging deep on his opinions, he reveled as he held dominion clumsily, he ambled through his verbs, intent to provoke, prod and perturb, line upon line of utter derision hoping the neophytes would put their pints down and listen and lo and behold they damn well did the venue fell silent and he felt like a defender of poetry so defiant but had he have stopped to read the room our angry young case study may well have changed his tune see fledgling writers who grabbed pens in catharsis, abandoned embryonic prose in aghast of this, fearing that they never ever make the grade, all because of one man's inane, indignant shade. And just like that, first drafts were left to gather dust, 
and the nibs on the fountain pens began to rust as they dropped their pens and thought, I'm not cut out for this. The standard's too high. Think I'll give it a miss. See, self-confidence is a garden, and your words are the seeds, and you can cultivate oak trees, or you can propagate weeds. Even Holly McNish, before five-star reviews, cut her teeth, just spitballing her views. And as for this dude's views about poetry needing to be real, nah, man. Art doesn't need no royal seal. Because how can anything that brought us all here be considered anything less? Than completely sincere. Hey, um, if you listened to that um, onslaught, thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Yeah, my name is King Stammers. Um, I'm kind of spending my lockdown um, trying to get some stuff up on YouTube. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, uh, Facebook, and Instagram as King Stammers. Um, yeah, and a recommendation for keeping the blues at bay. Um, I can't really. Give much of a recommendation. I mean, like, my strategy is, like, I've been trying to learn new skills. So, like, um, I've been throwing myself into learning online streaming. We had an online festival a few days ago. That was really cool. But it's different strokes for different folks. And um, I think if, if, if there's one bit of advice I can give is that we should be kinder to each other. And, and we should be putting some love and positivity out into the world. Um, yeah. What else? Yeah, um, know that everyone's in the same boat and we're all going through this together and and it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to talk to someone and if you don't have someone to talk to, come talk to me. Find me on Instagram. I'm always down for a chat. Okay, um, yeah, I, I have about 15 seconds left of, of my five minutes. So, um, yeah, I should go now. Thank you so much for having me and whatever you're up to. I hope you have a really nice day and I hope quarantine is treating you well. Okay. See you on the other side, guys. Much love. Hi, my name is Rick Dove. Uh, this is a poem which is a little bit about the world we want to return to um, when the lockdown is over. It's called Bucket List. Capitalism is putting out a fire with a bucket with a trickle of a hole at the base of it, and having to carry said bucket from the lake edge to the seat of it, the fire, that is. And what is your strategy in this? Is it in a steady stream of half-buckets, anxiously and hurriedly, backwards and forwards and forwards and backwards more than enough to make sure of enough? Or is it, more conservatively, in believing you have the time to plug the hole before you go, and committing early to that belief? That efficiency and lack of waste, especially in your own energy, is the key. Capitalism is filling the buckets with poured possessions to a raging fire made of need. Capitalism is the bucket maker's greed, selling straw as kindling with black market weed. There's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza, you used to sing to me. That one bucket was enough for Maslow's hierarchy, and you used to sing to me, there's a hole in my bucket, dear Liza. That all abundance is about anxiety around security and the fear of fire that our newsreels bleed. There's a hole in my bucket, you used to sing to me, my bucket, a hole. 
Capitalism is black market buckets, reselling buckets to stockpile to price fix, reading bucket diplomas at bucket universities, reading an amendment in the very definition of freedom all about buckets and straw and a straw man's deeds. Capitalism is a media obsessed with fires, even the ones with deniers, even the ones we started abroad and still sell a straw to feed. Capitalism is the very idea of buckets, with buckets as seeds, and the bucket peer of year-on-year growth in perpetuity, and bucket salesmen arsonists suggesting the blood of refugees is just as good as water, and better for the bucket's longevity. It's only thicker when your family, you see. Capitalism is an endless game of buckets, bucketing down with rain, and when into every life some rain must fall, the bucket is the panacea, the catch-all. Capitalism is our willing acceptance and yet total denial of all of this. Until we kick it. The bucket, that is. I'm currently reading um, a couple of great books uh, by a couple of great poets. Um, Biceps by Laurie Eaves and... A Portable Paradise by Roger Robinson. I would recommend getting them both if you can um, and um, enjoy. Have a good day and uh, stay well. Hello, my name is David Brattle and the poem I'm going to read is called Too Big for Words. Picture a car, two parents in the front, an almost grown sun in the back and a silence filling the air between. A silence made of stuff too big to fit into words. A silence that says, we made you, dreamt you, whispered your name under star-filled windows long before we started trying, long before the touching and the sighing, long before the bleeding and the crying. We built the very bones of you, Strands of DNA zip-tied into existence, a seed sent hurtling into distant, unprepared ground. We watched over you, struck dumb by the fear of falling, terrified by the ultrasound, the kicking and the not-kicking, mesmerised by the shock-shock ticking of your heart. She carried you, one hand always on the swelling bump of you, one thought to protect and guard that growing lump of you, one wish to know and see you, one hope that all would be... Well, one hope that all would be well. We swayed and swayed under the storm of the thought of the coming of you, and then suddenly, pow, body breaking, blood and bone quaking, you ripped your way into our world and I caught you, held you, passed you, and in stupid silence watched as that first gasp filled your lungs, as the first milk touched your tongue, as the first light of your first morning, startled your eyes, making you smile. And that was just the beginning of the stomach-churning, sweat-soaked joy of knowing you, loving you, bringing you up. Picture a car, two parents in the front, an empty back seat and an airport receding, a silence filling the air between, a silence made of stuff too big, to fit into words. Thank you. Uh, if you'd like to hear any more of my poems, you can look me up online. Uh, David Brazel, that's B-R-A-Z-I-E-L. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter as Brazel. And um, the thing I'd like to plug um, 
is probably the um, a concert we did here in Northern Ireland with a bunch of poets um, who all provided video poems and we put them out as a, an online um, sort of poetry gig. And it's called Shut the Front Door and it's stfd.online. So if you go to stfd.online, you'll find a video of that event there and there's a, a tip jar if you want to make a contribution. But there's some brilliant poems up there too. Uh, thank you very much. And it's amusing on the way that we love people and how that reflects us as a person. Mirror. It's easy to love you. You're imaginary. A ghost that sulks in fancy scarves and unwashed pillowcases. The steep cliff of your cheekbones carved by centuries of horse hooves traded and raced to enhance machismo and virility. The power of the tribe surging through velvety equine musculature rises in my mind's eye like the heat of your gaze, which pours to the ceiling and only a thick layer of pink bats keeps it from scurrying into the cold night. It's easy to love you. You're an idea, an engineer's late night musing on the nature of strength and the path to better things. The whip crack of your words, sear, scars, scolds the pale flesh of we night-dressed outsiders who see and feel the threads of this tarnished suit. It seems armoured, but that is nothing more than ages of spit and semen, a strange witchcraft that holds the world until the stench is too much to ignore. It's easy to love you. You are a dream, floating on the edges of sleep, greeting the morning. You dance through my broken windows and spin in curtains tattered from excessive wear. You are amorous yet piercing, defying description, wearing strangeness with honour and inspiration in light. You rest your chin on my shoulder and my body is now memory foam. Film strips of the past flash between our eyes and when you are gone I snap back into place. It's easy to love you. You are an electric pulse, a collection of ones and zeros shooting through fibre optics, flowing around the planet and touching strangers' minds. Vulnerable children cradle the sound of your bites, which fly glitch-free through ether and bullshit. Like the most nimble spider, you spin nets of shining beauty that catch us as we fall and harvest our applause. We step safely to the ground, carrying a little of your glitter. It's easy to love you. You are not here. The sharp quirk of lips and brows slash through pretense, pouring scorn on vacuum-sealed Tupperware humans, but sharing the joke of existence with we nihilist celebrants. Bacchus would be proud of the carefree shedding of flesh and labels. You write protest signs in wet switchblades and rose petals. Bonfires and pyres rage under your claws. The world doesn't stand a chance. It's easy to love you. You only ever leave. Thank you.
my name is Hannah Hutzper from the Dead Darlings podcast. Um, this poem does not yet have a name. If you can think of one, please uh, tell me what you think it should be on social media. Uh, and I've plugged anything I want to plug, I think. And the poem goes like this. A friend's dad once told us all the secret to eternal life. Keep breathing. Breathe into the right hip flexor and as you exhale, sink deeper into the pose. Every time I read the news, I learn more about ventilators. Every run, I'm able to recover my breath a little more quickly. Every cough or sneeze is suspect. Every time we go round the park, the cow parsley has grown deeper and something new is in leaf or flower. Some garden centres are open, but most are not. Whole seasons of flowering plants are dying unloved. Loved ones are dying and we can't place flowers. Hug in your lower ribs to stabilise. Don't hug anyone outside of your household. Unpack shopping by washing every apple. Every headline unpacks into more people I know. Are my old school friend's parents okay? All around us, plants are springing into life as volunteers spring into action, building field hospitals. Awaken with the breath. Will they wake after intubation? Wakes of more than two people are not allowed and feet together jump up to the top of your yoga mat. The supermarkets had eggs and honey today. The air was honeyed under the elder trees. Check in on your elders from a safe distance. There was another eggshell in the garden. Hope the hatchling was okay. My world is contracting as my waistline is contracting as the economy is contracting. Left leg comes to centre, kick your right leg up high. A health kick now seems in the poorest taste. My cooking is growing more elaborate and ambitious. Batch freezing for if we get sick. Jewish recipes for if the almighty is swayed by flattery. Hands come together in prayer, pose and bow the head. I desperately wanted more time. A pause. Now I have it. Now what? The running app voiceover assures us the most important thing is to keep moving. If you stop, it will be much harder to start again. And I don't know how we will start again. Or how we grieve death tolls in five figures. But I am trying to tick off a daily step count. Trying to pace myself. Trying to make a mask that doesn't mist up my glasses. Take a few breaths here in corpse pose and just take a minute to appreciate this moment and report today, even if you are well. And uh, my tips, such as they are, as you can tell, I have been doing uh, yoga with Adrienne and just started doing couch to 5k as kind of attempted keeping myself sane and happy and healthy and sleeping better for exercising. Uh... And yeah, my tips would be try and build some kind of routine, preferably that involves exercise if you can. And I've been using a stupid app called, I've been using an app called Habitica for a couple of years now, which is basically you are your own Tamagotchi and you set what things you have to do, say, get enough sleep or eat your five a day, but then you get loot drops and stuff for basically looking after yourself. And I've been, I've changed what all my goals are on that, but I still find it a useful kind of way of measuring and checking in.
Hi, my name is Catherine O'Driscoll. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Yellow Leather Jacket Poet. Um, thanks to Dead Darlings for having me. Uh, before I do my poem, I'm just going to cheekily plug my poetry competition, which launched last week. It closes on May 12th, has cash prizes for first, second and third place. Um, and we have a bunch of free entry options for people who might need them. The theme is Embers Ignite. Um, and you can get the information at candleliterature.com or look up candlelit poets on social media. This poem I'm going to do for this lovely open mic is called The Siren Song. It's about the darkest parts of my mind, my suicidality, but I thought I'd share it today because in the end the poem is kind of about trying to survive those really dark times the best you can, and I feel like that's something a lot of people need to be reassured that it's okay to do right now, just to survive. Um, surviving is the most important thing we do every day but we take it for granted so when it becomes a bit trickier we feel bad but I just want to remind you that everyone is struggling right now in a variety of ways so just be kind to yourselves okay gonna stop rambling this is the siren song I've seen light refracted through the water watched the way it bent arcing in such balletic beauty before presenting me with something altogether different from the original i've let the tide tell me those tales i still believe them anyway i've lived in the oil spill of grief for too long settled under the black with tar-coated optimism choked down with sertraline fluoxetine venlafaxine hope is a fish hook in my throat it hurts when I swallow. I have dislocated my heart and hidden it under the river's tongue, embedded in a siren song that tries to call me to a home I cannot run from, that tells me I belong under the smog of the river. I've picked the cataracts of depression out of my eyes and stained my finger beds trying to scrape them clean. Through gouged irises, I've seen how clouds, rolling the day between them like chewed gum, reflect like evasive promises shivering into smoke when called upon. I've had my feathers weighed by the sticky, slick cling of memoriam, a merciless self-hatred. I have found my limbs too heavy to drag them back to safety. I have drowned, and I have died here. They found my corpse by the canal side. Bloated with the narrative, I force-feed myself that monsters belong alone, in swamps, in agony, as long as you call it home. They find me with my tongue swollen out of my mouth and tell me I can talk to them. They find me river-wet and wild-hearted, trying to choke whichever part of me my head tells me is trying to suffocate me. I can't escape this. I belong in the water. Nomadic. All I can do is try to survive a polluted life, learn how to swim, breathe underwater, and believe that this is not the blackest hue, this is just a deeper blue, and even the darkest of colour is just light, trying to be let back in. Thank you. My name is Elizabeth McGeown, and this poem is about Narnia. The knowing it happened and the knowing it didn't happen exist together yet separately in a very small space, smaller than a room, 
bigger than a brain exactly the size of a child's mind, which has walls and doors and an ornate keyhole with a key that is put in a box with a padlock with a key that is kept somewhere else for safekeeping. A Russian doll arrangement of keys, each doll keeper of the key smaller and harder to find until the smallest seems empty, but is oh not empty at all. For this is the crux of the matter. This is the key of the key. The knowing and the not knowing coexist gleefully, pushing against each other in their smaller than a room, bigger than a brain space. With wooden walls and wooden doors, they rub against each other when a new thought comes by, like sleeve brushes against sleeve when a hand reaches in to pick the perfect garment. The being unsure if happened or happened not is a smaller space still, fits like a second skin. You put first one arm into the snug lining, then the other. Button up the button down, smooth down the cosy fluffness with hands small and grasping, and sit down in the cool, dark, safe space, breathing in the old mothballs. It goes like this, I flew. Atop the stairs, I raised my arms and flew, and nobody saw, so nobody knew. Or goes like this, I dreamed. I hop, skip, jumped under my own steam and made it to the bottom just the same. Failed starts lead to broken hearts or broken bones, so I was wise enough not to try again. Not on stairs. I became all licking fingers, testing winds, frowning in concentration, conversation filled with nor'easters, and adults chuckle at the weather-conscious child sounding like the shipping forecast. Which days were the best days? Sky day, cloud days. Leaves suspended in breezes days. Close your eyes because of dust and windy gusts days. I stand on my porch awaiting. Arms and hands trying the semaphore of most streamlined, least weight bearing. Am I dragonfly or crow? Top heavy bee or concord slender delta understanding the physical nature of separated flow. Front porch turns to back porch because of nosy neighbour stares. That what is she doing? What will she find there? What does she mind there? But the back is too sheltered and the front has just the right angle of openness for me to be lifted, gusted, kite leg and swing on ribbon strings. I stand and continue to stand and continue to stand. Driven by the knowledge that there are other worlds than these, there are other me's than me, sons of Adam, daughters of Eve. I sit in my wardrobe wooden castle. I button up my button coat. A funny man, or is he goat, comes to greet me. Our footprints, hoofprints in the snow cease to be, because we, holding hands, hover higher, higher, and we fly. Thank you so much to Dead Darlings Podcast. Um, my name is Elizabeth McGeown, and if you want to follow me online, Twitter, I'm at Candy's Eyes, C-A-N-D-Y-S-E-Y-E-S, or on Facebook, uh, my name's Elizabeth McGeown. The surname is M-C-G-E-O-W-N. Thank you so much, and stay safe. Mm-hmm.